And uh, but it's a good crowd, and I'm glad you're here. Hopefully, the Lord will speak to our hearts. While you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let me tell you a little story. Um, maybe set the stage somewhat of what we're going to be talking about. Several years ago, I had a young pastor uh, come to me and, and share with me that he was having conflict over in his church over his preaching. Uh, I understand that, you know. Uh, uh, he uh, was kind of being raked over the coals. He uh, was kind of being challenged at some of the things he was saying. He felt like, he said, that he was preaching exactly what God desired him to preach, but he acknowledged that they were hard-driving messages. He uh, told me, and, and I've even made the statement, uh, he said to me, I feel like an Old Testament prophet always delivering scathing, scathing sermons. And I told him, I said, you know, uh, by the way, why is it that young preachers always go to old preachers? That put me in a whole new category, didn't it, okay? When he came to me, I, I understood, and we talked, I understood the feeling, because I believe every pastor, when he is called upon to handle the hot topics, uh, feels that he almost punches out his people, okay? But let me tell you how I responded to him. I told him this, as God's under-shepherds were called upon to deliver God's word, many times those words are very difficult, okay? Especially in today's culture. But we must obey the master. That's the first thing I told him. You're not there to please people. You're there to honor God to the best of your ability. You're there to take God's word that God wants you to share on that day. And you have to do it faithfully because you have to obey the master. However, I said this to him. If you've not laid the foundation of love under these messages, then in all probability you're going to have some issues in your church and you deserve to have some issues. I said this to him. They've got to know you love them. Secondly, you've got to earn the right to deliver the hard ones. And I, I wrote that this week as I studied in 1 Corinthians 13, and, and I hope that's true in my case. Because I know at times, people, it gets hot. And yet the Bible is a hot topic in a spiritually cold world. We try not to bring our personal reflections into it, but the fact is that's difficult, if not impossible. Now, the idea of earning the right is kind of what our verses are going to be about this morning. If you were with us last week, we began to talk about 1 Corinthians 13. I mentioned to you that Paul inserted right in the middle of a discussion of spiritual gifts, right in the middle of that he inserts this, this idea of the foundation of love. And basically he's saying that love makes everything work. If you love God's way, then the church will handle anything that comes, even when it's difficult times, even when there's troubling times, even when there's challenging subjects that you deal with. Love is the king of all virtues. Last week we introduced 1 Corinthians 13. For the next few weeks, we're going to stay here. And let me tell you about our 
verses today. We're going to be looking at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, okay? I mentioned to you last week in the introduction that these are, these are conditional sentences. They're bracketed around five conditional clauses, five ifs. Now, you know what conditionals are, right? Something must happen for something else to happen. Or if something happens, this is going to be the result. The way Paul's going to write it is this way. If, and then he's going to say, but. Every one of these ifs is going to refer to something good. In fact, very good. But the good that he talks about, these wonderful spiritual gifts that he talks about, becomes bad. In fact, very bad if love is missing. I mentioned about scaffolding last week, that sometimes we, we build around that which is so precious, scaffolding, and it distorts that which is true. Let's begin to take down some scaffolding this morning. Would you stand with me in honor of God's Word? 1 Corinthians 13, let's read verses 1 through 3. And let me just share some thoughts with you that I, that I got from it, okay? And then notice, notice the ifs, these conditions. If I speak... With the tongues of men and of angels, but, I see that's the condition, if, but, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have, have all faith so as to remove mountains, but... I don't have love, I am nothing. And if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Do you see the, the priority here of love, do you? Let's pray. Father, I pray that today, as we take these clauses, these phrases, and deal with them, that God, may you deal with us. I'm thankful, Father, that we don't have to be brilliant. I'm thankful that we have given to us in your word the very foundation of what the Christian life is all about, and that is love, because you first loved us. Help us to get the goodness of this in a way that will be reflected in our life, our family, our church, and our world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks. Be seated. Keep your Bible open. Several, oh, a week or two ago, I was talking to one of our men who has uh, been nominated to be a deacon. And he said, Tom, I, I just need to talk to you about this. This is, a, this is a major thing for me. This has never happened to me. And I just need to talk to you. And so we sat down, and he began to share his life with me. And he said something to me that, that I think is a key. He said, you know, I've done just about everything a guy can do. Um, I... I ran after idols. I've done about it. You name it, I've done it. But he said, you know what I've learned? I've learned that I cannot really 
love right until I understand God's love to me and until I begin to grab hold of God's love to me and show it to others. He said, I, I've realized I can't even love my wife the way I should love my wife until I begin to understand and receive God's love to me. Now, that may sound simple, but gang, I want you to know it's profound. I want to say to you that I agree with that man wholeheartedly, that there's no way that we can love others until we understand how we've been loved, and it captures our heart, and then we begin to express it in those same terms. Let me tell you what I did with these three verses. I, I took the five clauses in the three verses, and, and what I'm going to share with you, I built around three statements to you, and that's how I kind of want to deal with it. Verse 1 talks about speech. Okay, look at, look at verse 1. If I speak, talk, communicate with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, what Paul says, it's nothing really but noise. It's a noisy gong. It's a clanging symbol. Kind of interesting how Paul starts this. He, 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 he puts it in the first person which means he's talking about himself. He's not preaching to the choir, okay? And then he mentions the tongues of angels. Now, now we don't really know what that means. We know what the tongues of men are. Nowhere in Scripture do we know what the tongues of angels are that, that he may be referencing here. In fact, I mean, tell you what I think he's doing. I think he's slamming the ecstatic utterances that come out of paganism. When you study the Bible, tongues is known language. And every pagan false religion has in it ecstatic utterances. Corinth did that. They came out of ranked paganism. I think they just, what we do is we bring in our Christianity where we've been, folks. We may be forgiven, but we're sure not perfect. Amen? We don't have it all together, so what do we do? We bring into our Christian where we've been. And I think Corinth was bringing in their paganism, and Paul was trying to address it. I think he's kind of, in a, in a sense here, kind of slamming that a little bit, you know? His emphasis is this. If a person can speak majestically, but he does not have love, he communicates miserably. That's what he's saying. It's nothing but noise. It's annoying, as a matter of fact. You ever been to a cymbal symphony? I imagine it would be kind of painful, wouldn't it? I think it would just be a bunch of noise. One guy in his commentary wrote this. He says, oratory can grab the emotions. Rhetoric can grab the mind. Speech can grab the will. But only love can grab the hearts. And dear people, listen. I believe, dear Christian, I believe, dear Christian parent and grandparent, that you can do just about everything and anything you need to do with your family or at church if the foundation of love has been laid. But if the foundation of love has not been laid, then you have not earned the right to deal in the hard areas 
that must come. Only love can grab the heart. Now you see when it comes to God things, don't you? It's like that. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're part of me, that you belong to me, because you love one another. Loud, empty words produce no fruit. When I surrendered to preach, I went to Mid-America Seminary in Memphis. And I went, I went intimidated. I was 35, and most of those kids over there were punks, you know. They were young. And uh, so I naturally went in intimidated and very unsure of myself. And I'll, I'll never forget that, uh, that one weekend we had a uh, kind of a, a, a preaching weekend, and Adrian Rogers preached. Now, gang, there's been preachers, and there have been preachers. There have been voices, and there have been voices. There have been great preachers, but there have been great preachers. And when Adrian Rogers spoke, everybody stopped what they were doing and listened. And I'll never forget he came and and uh, he had, he's a, he was a busy man. That was during the transition back to conservatism in our, in our convention. And he had flown in just enough time to come to our seminary and speak. And, uh, and then he had to be whisked away to somewhere else. And then the next morning he came back in. And I'll never forget, he, he stood before us, guys. And first of all, that night message, I had never anything like that in all my life. Man, he skinned the cat backwards and forwards, you know. A lot of ways to skin a cat, he skinned it all the ways. And we went away thinking, wow. Well, apparently he thought he did badly because the next morning he began to weep in front of all these preachers. And, and he began just to humble himself. And then he stood up and he preached. And if I thought he did good that night, you ought to heard this morning, man. It was incredible. Well, when we got through... Uh, he was going to be whisked away to another meeting, and it just happened that I was walking out of seminary about the time he was walking out, and gosh, I just looked at him thinking, this is the prince, you know? And as we walked out, he looked at me, and he nodded, and I nodded. And let me tell you, as busy as he is and as great a preacher as he is, he stopped, and he walked over to me, and he says, um, what is your name? And I, of course, I told him, and he said, well, where are you from, Tom? And I said, well, I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. I, I, Calvary Baptist is my, Step Martin's your pastor. And as busy as this guy was, and as great a preacher as he was, he gave me five minutes of his life about. And I want to tell you, when he walked away, I've never talked to him since. But I said, you know, that guy loves because that's the way God does. Now listen, you can be an Adrian Rogers. You can be maybe your favorite preacher's Charles Stan. Mine's Don, okay? You can be whatever you want to be, and you can be great at what you do. But if the foundation of love is not there, it's nothing but a bunch of noise. 
All it does is clang around. It annoys you. It has no strength. It has no power. Paul, when he was in a, a battle, uh, church was attacking him. Some guys in the church was attacking him. He said, it's okay, I'm coming. And when I get there, I'm going to see the power by which this guy talks. What Paul is saying here is there's power in speech only if there's love that's been expressed. And I'm going to talk a little bit about my family a little bit later about that. Okay, verse 2 is the second bracket. I took three of these gifts that he talks about here, and I, I just kind of gave the word spirituality there. If I have the gift of prophecy, that's what we would call preaching, Know all mysteries, that's discerning God's truth that's been hid, now available or now able to understand. All knowledge, which means brains. If I, and if I have faith to move mountains, which is confidence in God. If I have all of those things, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Paul includes himself, again, in that thought. Let me, let me give you a general statement. Without speech, love is annoying, Spirituality without love is hypocrisy. That's what he's saying. Spiritual, thinking you're spiritual, walking around like you're spiritual, pretending you're spiritual, but if you don't have the foundation of love, it's hypocrisy. Now here's what he says in verse 2. Even if you can take God's Word and cut it straight theologically, even if you can discern God's Word and, and, and understand God's Word rationally, and logically, even if you exercise God's Word faithfully, without love it's vanity. It profits nothing. It means absolute zero. Do you get what Paul's saying? You can be the most spiritually gifted person that has ever lived. But if you don't have love, you're a loser. That ought to strike the very heart of the church. That ought to grab our hearts and challenge us. Have I laid the foundation? Have I earned the right to say what needs to be said to that man who's not living the way he should be? Do I have I heard, earned the right to say to that sweet lady who is, who is struggling in life, do I have I earned the right to look her in the face and say, Oh, dear sister, there's something wrong in your life. If you don't, have love. Anything you say, however you say it, will have no impact. You're absolute zero. Now think about that. Could that be why some parents have no influence over their kids? Huh? Could it be that the reason some kids and some grandkids never darken the doors of the church because they see a dichotomy between what their parents say and what their parents do. Could it be that? Could it be that that, that that parent has not really learned that there's a time for law and there's a time for grace, and when that grace rules, law has more authority and more power, huh? Could it be that? I was talking to someone not long ago. Can't understand why their kids have nothing to do with the things of God, and they're a mean person. They're, they're mean in their life. Could it be that the reason homes are being torn apart is because there's never been a foundation of love? It's all law. And the kids say, I think rightly so. 
I don't want that. I don't need that. In fact, not only do they just back away, they go in the totally opposite direction. And you pull your hair and you wonder, what happened? Where did we go wrong? I'll tell you where we went wrong. You're all law and you're no love. You've forgotten that the greatest virtue in the, in the Christian arsenal is grace, you see. Could it be that's why some people have no influence in their church? Because all they do is scream and holler and criticize. But there's nothing foundational. There's nothing that, that carries with them the fruit of, of the character of godliness in their life. Could it be that's why some pastors have no influence on their sheep, huh? I, I, this young man I was talking, he's a good young man, okay? Good young man. But I told him, I don't care what you preach. If you don't have love, it ain't a gun or work. That's not very good English. Pretty good theology. Whether it be home, whether it be church, if the foundation of love is not there, you've not earned the right. Paul says, you're not even spiritual. Hmm? Well, you may argue, so I read the Bible every day. I pray every day. Paul says you're a zero. You're not a hero. You're a zero is what Paul says. Hmm? And then number three, verse three, I just kind of said sacrifice there. Notice, if, you give, if I give all of my, and again, first person, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, even if I surrender my body to be burned, but I don't have love, there's no profit in it for me. That's kind of interesting. No profit for me. Amazing, isn't it? If you give everything away, just like Jesus told the rich young ruler in Mark 10, or if you allow your body to be burned at the stake, just like the, the, the heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He said, even if you do that, if there's no love, there's no profit. The word profit means no use. Do you catch the strength of that? He's not saying you shouldn't. Not give your, you should not give your possessions. He's not saying that you should not protect your body. He's saying even if you do, even if you do, and you don't have love, you're bankrupt. Some folks try to buy love, but you can't. Love is a gift, isn't it? The greatest expression of love we see on the cross. Man, if there's one verse you learn when you're a child, it's John 3, 16. God loved God what? gave see he gave his son his only begotten son on the cross to cover the sin of humanity the sin of his sheep a person perhaps could look back at the end of his life not find one worthy lasting thing he's done and i want to tell you it'd be a sad death because it's all been for naught and he'll leave this world empty. Let me summarize these verses with these words, okay? You can have superlative speech, but without love it's just a bag of wind, just noise. It's futility. Futility. You can be super spiritual, have super spirituality, but without love it's a false life, people. It's hypocrisy. You can be supreme in your sacrifice, but about without love, it's bankruptcy. Now, I want you to think with me for just a moment, okay? Paul, in these three verses, 
listed spiritual gifts. Now, now, now what are spiritual gifts? Well, here's what I told our preteens a few weeks ago. Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities that God bestows sovereignly as he deems appropriate into the life of a Christian the moment the Christian is saved, okay? It's something that God gives, an ability that God gives to a person because he knows that that person at some point in their life is going to be a member of a church that's going to need servants, going to need help, going to need something to help the church be healthy and functional and God-glorifying, okay? Spiritual gifts are incredible tools. They're not toys. They're tools to help the church function properly. But Paul says they're of no value. Think about it. Something God gives into the beloved. It's of no value unless love rules. That's the conditions that must be present. Even if these major gifts are present, but no love, then it doesn't work. I think what he's saying is you may have these wonderful gifts. You may have these powerful gifts. But if you have a mean-spirited, critical, abrasive attitude, then you have no power. And it does your faith family no good. You have noise. You have false pretense. You may have a form of godliness, but you don't have God. Okay? And I don't know about you, I'd rather be a bumbling idiot and have God than be an Adrian Rogers and not have God. Huh? Let me rem- remind you of this. Take this with you, and then, then we're going to be through. Okay? The health of the church is not reflected by the spiritual gifts she possesses. Okay? The health of the church is not reflected by the spiritual gifts she possesses, but in the spiritual fruit she produces. And the chief fruit is love, according to the Bible. Gang, it's not what you say with your mouth. It's not what you sing when you have our opportunity. God hasn't given many of us, like these two young ladies here, you haven't, our, our team hasn't given us abilities, you know, to do that. Many of you say, I can't teach a lesson, and you may be right. You maybe can't. I shouldn't be teaching. Maybe you shouldn't, okay? I don't know. That's something you got to do. I don't know what your spiritual gift is. That's you and God. But I can tell you we can have the greatest singers and the greatest teachers the greatest preachers, but if we don't have the foundation of love, then we don't have a church that's worthy of people to come and give their life to. Okay. Now, I want to make it personal. I want you to bow your head. I want to I see if, if maybe the Holy Spirit will drive this home to you. Okay. Without love permeating yourself. Love on the basis 
of how Jesus loved us and demonstrated. God demonstrated his love toward us, you see. If love is not operating in your life, then your effectiveness, your effectiveness is going to be very weak whether it be in your home or whether it be in church. And so my question for you to grapple with this morning is, do I live and do people know I live from the perspective of love? And if you can say yes, then gang, you can get away with just about anything. If the answer is no or I'm not sure, then I want to tell you, you desperately need to reevaluate your life where you are. The thing about spiritual gifts is they always produce spiritual fruit. Fruit is that which you can be seen clinging to a limb on a tree. If it's a pear tree and if it's healthy, there'll be pears. Spiritual fruit is always seen. And if it's not being seen in your life, you need to ask yourself the question, why could it be, could it be that love is not where it should be? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for our dear people. I pray for myself. God, we, 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 we mess up so much. We're so imperfect. We never do things the way we should. We don't do them the way we'd like for them to do. And it can be very difficult for us unless we have love as a foundation. God, today, maybe, maybe today, there are a few that, Lord, may need to check up on this love thing in their life. Maybe they need to reevaluate their life maybe today is the time to do it in Jesus name amen in a moment we're going to stand and I just want to as as Joyce plays let me just tell you I was visiting with a man who's struggling with his son not long ago let me tell you what I told him I said go pick up your boy and take him out of town get him away change the dynamic Okay. First of all, have fun. Uh, find out something you like to do together. Uh, I actually told him to go to Bass Pro in Springfield. I can't think of a better weekend, you know. And I said, somewhere in the course of the weekend, you pull him aside and you become very vulnerable to him. You let him know that you struggle with whatever it is you struggle with, sharing love, touching, voicing, whatever it may be. Let them know the weaknesses, but then you let them know, son, I may have blown some things, but I want you to know that your daddy loves you. And I may not have trouble expressing it and showing it, but I want you to know your daddy loves you. And When you come out of that weekend, he may not remember a whole lot. One thing he ought to remember is daddy loves me. When that boy knows that daddy loves him, then you can exert any kind of discipline you want to, but he'll know 
He's loved by Daddy. Let's pray. I mean, let's stand together. We've already prayed. Let's stand. And Don and I will be here. If God has spoken to your heart, if you need to come pray, then we'll give you that opportunity. Your assignment, whoa, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're Adrian Rogers. I like that. Turn that back up. Uh, your assignment this week, okay, is to pick out one or two or three, family or whatever, to make a difference. And you show them in whatever tangible way works for you, whether it's by a letter or voice, whatever. You let them know that any conditions, you love them. That's your assignment, okay? All right, let's go to Sunday school. We got out a little bit early. Everybody likes short sermons? Well, you got one. Let's go to Sunday school.